Hello. This is R.J. Deacon reading the Supreme Court of the United States opinion in Andrew Casella versus Amy Hughes on petition for writ of certiorari to the United States Court of Appeals for the Ninth Circuit. Decided April 2nd, 2018. There appears to be no uh, syllabus, so this one may be a little longer than the others. Procurium. Petitioner Andrew Casella, a police officer in Tucson, Arizona, shot respondent Amy Hughes. Casella and two other officers had arrived on the scene after hearing a police radio report that a woman was engaging in erratic behavior with a knife. They had been there but a few minutes, perhaps just a minute, when Casella fired. Hughes was holding a large kitchen knife and had taken steps towards another woman standing nearby and had refused to drop the knife after at least two commands to do so. The question is whether, at the time of the shooting, Casella's actions violated clearly established law. The record, viewed in light of the most favorable to Hughes, shows the following. In May 2010, someone in Hughes' neighborhood called 911 to report that a woman was hacking a tree with a kitchen knife. Casella and another police officer, Alex Garcia, heard about the report over the radio in their patrol car and responded. A few minutes later, the person who had called 911 flagged down the officers, gave them a description of the woman with the knife, and told, the wo told them the woman had been acting erratically. About the same time, a third police officer, Lindsay Kunz, arrived on her bicycle. Garcia spotted a woman, later identified as Sharon Chadwick, standing next to a car in the driveway of a nearby house. A chain-link fence with a locked gate separated Chadwick from the officers. The officers then saw another woman, Hughes, emerge from the house, carrying a large kitchen knife at her side. Hughes matched the description of the woman who had been seen hacking the tree. Hughes walked towards Chadwick and stopped no more than six feet from her. All three officers drew their guns. At least twice they told Hughes to drop the knife. Viewing the record in the light most favorable to Hughes, Chadwick said, Take it easy, to both Hughes and the officers. Hughes appeared calm, but she did not acknowledge the officer's presence or drop the knife. The top bar of the chain-link fence blocked Casella's line of fire so he dropped to the ground and shot Hughes four times through the fence. Then the officers jumped the fence and handcuffed Hughes, and called paramedics who transported her to the hospital. There she was treated for non-life-threatening injuries. Less than a minute had transpired from the moment the officers saw Chadwick to the moment Casella fired shots. All three of the officers later said at the time of the shooting, they subjectively believed Hughes to be a threat to Chadwick. After the shooting, the officers discovered that Chadwick and Hughes were roommates, and that Hughes had a history of mental illness, and that Hughes had been upset with Chadwick over a $20 debt. In an affidavit produced during discovery, Chadwick said that a few minutes before the shooting, her boyfriend had told Hughes, told her Hughes was threatening to kill Chadwick's dog, named Bunny. Chadwick came home to find Hughes somewhat distressed, and Hughes was in the house holding Bunny in one hand and a kitchen knife in the other. Hughes asked Chadwick if she wanted her to use the knife on the dog. The officers knew none of this, though.
Chadwick went outside to get $20 from her car, which is when the officers first saw her. In her affidavit, Chadwick said that she did not feel endangered at any time. Based on her experiences as Hugh's roommate, Chadwick stated that Hughes occasionally has episodes in which she acts inappropriately, but she is only seeking attention. Hughes sued Casella under Statute 1979-42 U.S.C. 1983, alleging that Casella had used excessive force in violation of the Fourth Amendment. The district court granted summary judgment to Casella, but the Court of Appeals for the Ninth Circuit reversed. The Court of Appeals first held that the record viewed in the light most favorable to Hughes was sufficient to demonstrate that Casella violated the Fourth Amendment. The Court held that the violation was clearly established because, in its view, constitutional violation was obvious and because of circuit precedent that the Court perceived to be analogous. Casella filed a petition for rehearing in Banque. Over the dissent of seven judges, the Court of Appeals denied. Casella then filed a petition for writ of certiori in this court. That petition is now granted. In one of the first cases in this general subject, Tennessee v. Garner, the court addressed the constitutionality of police using force that can be deadly. There, the court held that where the officer has probable cause to believe the suspect poses a threat of serious physical harm, either to the officer or others, it is not constitutionally unreasonable to prevent escape by using deadly force. In Graham v. Connor, the court held that the question whether an officer has used excessive force requires careful attention to the facts and circumstances of each particular case, including the severity of the crime at issue, whether the suspect poses an immediate threat to the safety of officers or others, and whether he is actively resisting arrest or attempting to evade arrest by flight. The reasonableness of a particular use of force must be judged from the perspective of a reasonable officer on the scene, rather than with the 2020 vision of hindsight. And the calculus of reasonableness must embody allowance for the fact that police officers are often forced to make split-second judgments in circumstances that are tense, uncertain, and rapidly evolving. The amount of force that is necessary in a particular situation, oh, sorry, about the amount of, rapidly evolving about the amount of force that is necessary in a particular situation. Here, the court need not, and does not decide whether Casella violated the Fourth Amendment, and whether he used deadly force against Hughes. For even assuming a Fourth Amendment violation occurred, a proposition that is not at all evident, on these facts, Casella was at least entitled to qualified immunity. Qualified immunity attaches when an official's conduct does not violate clearly established statutory or constitutional rights, of which a reasonable person would have known. White versus Pauli. Because the focus is on whether the officer had fair notice that her conduct was unlawful, reasonableness is judged against the backdrop of the law at the time of the conduct. Versal versus Haugen. Although this court's case law does not require a case directly on point for a right to be clearly established, 
Existing precedent must have been placed the statutory or constitutional question beyond debate. See White. In other words, immunity protects all but the plainly incompetent or those who knowingly violate the law. This court has repeatedly told courts, and the Ninth Circuit in particular, not to define clearly established law at a high level of general generality. City and County of San Francisco versus Sheehan. Also quoting Ashcroft versus Al Kidd and uh, Brassau. Specifically, is especially important in Fourth Amendment context where the court has recognized that it is sometimes difficult for an officer to, t to determine how the relevant legal doctrine here, excessive force, will apply to the factual situation the officer confronts. Molyneux versus Luna. The use of excessive force is an area of the law in which the result depends very much on the facts of each case, and thus police officers are entitled to qualified immunity, unless existing precedent squarely governs the specific facts at issue. Precedent involving similar facts can help move a case beyond the otherwise hazy border between excessive and acceptable force, and thereby provide an officer notice that specific use of force is unlawful. Of course, general statements of the law are not inherently incapable of giving fair warning, fair and clear warning to officers. See White. But the general rules set forth in Garner and Graham do not by themselves create clearly established law outside an obvious case where constitutional guidelines seem inapplicable or too remote. It does not suffice for a court to simply state that an officer may not use unreasonable force and excessive force, deny qualified immunity, and then remit the case for a trial on the question of reasonableness. An officer cannot be said to have violated a clearly established right unless the right's contours were sufficiently definable that any reasonable, reasonable official in the defendant's shoes would have understood that it was violating it. See Plumhoff v. Rickard. That is a necessary part of the qualified immunity standard, and it is part of the standard that the Court of Appeals here failed to implement in a correct way. Casella says he shot... Hughes because although the officers themselves were in no apparent danger, he believed she was a threat to Chadwick. Casella had mere seconds to assess the potential danger to Chadwick. He was confronted with a woman who had just been seen hacking a tree with a large kitchen knife, and whose behavior was erratic enough to cause concern, a concerned bystander to call 911, and then flag down Casella and Garcia. Casella was separated from Hughes and Chadwick by a chain-link fence. Hughes had moved to within a few feet of Chadwick, and she failed to acknowledge at least two commands to drop the knife. Those commands were loud enough that Chadwick, who was standing next to Hughes, heard them. This is far from an obvious case in which any competent officer would have known that shooting Hughes to protect Chadwick would violate the Fourth Amendment. The Court of Appeals made additional errors in concluding that its own precedent clearly established that Casella used excessive force. To begin with, 
even if a controlling circuit precedent could constitute clearly established law in these circumstances, it does not do so here. See Sheehan. In fact, the most analogous circuit precedent favors Casella. See Banford versus Sacramento County. In Banford, the police responded to a report that a man was walking through a residential neighborhood carrying a sword and acting in an erratic manner. There, there, as here, the police shot the man after he refused their commands to drop the weapon. There, as here, the man might not have heard the commands. There, as here, the police believed, perhaps mistakenly, that the man posed an immediate threat to others. There, the Court of Appeals determined that the use of deadly force did not violate the Fourth Amendment. Based on that decision, a reasonable officer could have believed that the same thing was true in the instant case. In contrast, not one of the decisions relied on by the Court of Appeals, Durrell v. Rutherford, Glenn v. Washington County, Harris v. Roderick, supports denying Casella qualified immunity. As for Durrell, this court has already instructed the Court of Appeals not to read its decision in that case too broadly in deciding whether a new set of facts governed, clear, governed by clearly established law. Durrell involved a police officer who shot an unarmed man on, in the face without warning, even though the officer had a clear line of retreat. There were no bystanders nearby. The man had been physically compliant and generally followed all the officer's instructions, and he had been under police observation for roughly 40 minutes. In this case, by contrast, Hughes was armed with a large knife, was within striking distance of Chadwick, ignored the officer's orders to drop a weapon, and the situation unfolded in less than a minute. Whatever the merits of the decision in Durrell, the differences between that case and the case before us leap from the page. Glenn, which the panel describes as the most analogous Ninth Circuit case, was decided after the shooting at issue here. Thus, Glenn could not have given fair notice to Casella because a reasonable officer is not required to foresee judicial decisions that do not yet exist in instances where the requirements of the Fourth Amendment are far from obvious. See Brassau. Glenn was therefore of no use in the clearly established inquiry. Brassau. Other judges brought this mistaken or misleading citation to the panel's attention while Casella's petition for rehearing and bank was pending before the Court of Appeals. The panel then amended its opinion, but nevertheless still attempted to rely on Glenn as illustrative, not as indicative of the clearly established law in 2010. The panel failed to explain the difference between illustrative and indicative. Precedent and none is apparent. The amended opinion also asserts for the first time and without explanation that the Court of Appeals decision in Harris clearly established that the shooting here was unconstitutional. The panel's reliance on Harris does not pass the straight-face test. In Harris, the Court of Appeals determined that an FBI sniper who was positioned safely on a hilltop used excessive force when he shot a man in the back while the man was retreating to a cabin during what has been referred to as the Ruby Ridge standoff. Suffice it to say, 
a reasonable police officer could miss the connection between the situation confronting the sniper at Ruby Ridge and the situation confronting Casella in Hugh's front yard. For those reasons, the petition for certiorari is granted, the judgment of the Court of Appeals is reversed, and the case is remanded for further proceedings, consistent with this opinion. If, uh, if the listener would like, the, uh, the dissent actually appears to have a difference of facts in it, so that may be, um, that may be relevant here, but uh, I don't read the dissents, so just letting you know there's a difference of facts in the dissent, which is written by just Justice Sotomayor and Ginsburg. Uh, everybody else was with the per curiam. Thank you for listening.